0: every team every topic everywhere this is believe
1: and in 3 2 and 1 this week this 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 this
0: this week this week this 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 week this 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 week
1: this in-
0: week This week in Geek, we talk about movies, game awards, and team fight tactics.
1: Hello, hello everybody. Um, this is this week in Geek, where Yeah, I say the same thing every week, so you know the spiel by now. Kevin, how you doing?
0: <laughs> I'm doing good. Uh getting used to the new escape room job. Uh yeah, that that's pretty much it it's that and playing lethal company with my friends because uh it was one of my friend's birthdays and he was like i want to play tft with everyone i'm like okay i'll i'll play tft i guess and then or like i'll I'll play i'll play lethal company with you and then i was like i've made a mistake and I, i'm terrible at it um but that's just because like i, I still have to like learn everything about the game but yeah uh if you don't know what Lethal Company is, it's a game where you go around and you uh you're you're tasked by the company to go out and gather material from planets, from deserted planets. But in these planets there are monsters who whose entire job is to like not be messed with. But your job is to go and take stuff and then sell it back to the company to meet quota. Um so yeah I, I i'm learning how certain things operate like there there's a nutcracker with a shotgun uh there are random landmines and turrets there are there's a bug that dances is, if you this don't is the have game anything where it's
1: like i've seen the clip where is is this the clip the game where like the the ladder goes up and it comes down with a thonk and it knocks yes. the dude out
0: yes <laughs> that that happens all the time uh when somebody is saying I'm putting down the ladder, you, you better move out the way. <laughs> like, for real. Uh, yeah, that, that that's what I've been up to, just trying to learn that with my friends. But the hardest part is, like, the game uses proximity chat. So, like, the closer you are to, like, certain things, you could, like, hear certain, like, you could hear your friends getting absolutely destroyed on the other side of a wall. Mm-hmm. or like they're underneath you and you just hear like the most wild unhinged screaming uh but my friend group plays it at like midnight so your boy can't be like doing comms and stuff i'm i'm quiet and i'm like ah oh, shit i'm dead like <laughs> I'll, I'll be like there there's something out there it'll be <laughs> i have to like mutter it or like murmur it like really quietly People are like, mm-hmm. what is that? And I'm like, all right, next time give me the radio so I could just like page everybody who has one. And so they're like, Kevin, you're either the most calm person when getting murdered, or like your mom is about to like punch you in the back of the head mid <laughs> mid-game. And I'm like, it's a mix of both. I'm I'm rapping like how Snoop Dogg rapped on uh or like my comms are like Snoop Dogg rapping on uh drop it like it's hot. It just sounds like somebody. Like, he's trying to be very quiet during the whole thing. <laughs> that, that That's what's going on in my games. It's it's me being courteous of my family, but also wanting to, like, make the calls, you know? Yeah.
1: Is, the, is it in full access, or is it still, like, early access beta right now?
0: It's still early access, but they did update a couple things. They added some more, like, characters, I guess, to, so to say. Or, like, they added like, Christmas-themed stuff, and then a couple of, like, newer enemies and monsters. So, yeah. it There's also a mod where there's one where it will repeat a line that your friend said. Where, like, the monster repeats a line. And so, sometimes, you'll be like, wait, did you say that twice? And he's like, no. And then you're like, "Uh, (laughs) ah, there's a monster monster close by that has, like, voice mimic. And I'm like, the, it's so scary.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would not like that. I would not like that. Like, on the scale of, like, between comedic to terrifying, like, where does this game fall in line? Because I feel like, from what I've seen, it's more on the comedy side, but I can mm-hmm. see, like, play... Like, I mean, that's just watching the clips, but, like, I feel like playing it, it's a very different experience.
0: Yeah, for the, for the most part, it, it's pretty comedic if you allow yourself to have like a little bit uh how can i say it you could have a little bit of fun with it there's a couple of mods that like make the game like a little bit more wonky and fun but i do think that the game is like it's it's scary when you don't know what things do and like where you could possibly die like i've Mm -hmm. i've died multiple times just falling off of a staircase and okay. like i'll be like this is a hole and i'll be like oh wait i didn't know that 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 hole was that deep and i'll just like die or i'll be like i i took a wrong step and now i'm in water and your character can't swim so i just drowned um <laughs> i have a clip from from twitch from my last run where a friend of mine is like hey uh if, if there's enough space behind the landmine you could like hop over it and run before it explodes and i'm like He's like, you could jump over the mine if you're careful with it. I'm like, oh, okay. And so I'm like, I'm going to do it. And so I read over it and then it just explodes. He's like, he did not jump far enough. He's like, yep, yeah, he did not jump far enough. I'm like, I was lied to, man. I, I didn't. He you, you didn't tell me anything. <laughs> but yeah, overall, like the game, I think is pretty fun. If you have, like, especially if you have a group of friends who's willing to, like, let you experience a game. As is, but be- before telling you anything, and I think that's like the best part of the game. Mm, just like go into it completely blind, like having friends who will not tell you how it how it works, because at a certain point you'll just be like, okay, like I'm just here to have fun with with the game, you know. Um, uh-huh. But half of them are just like, oh, don't run into that, and I'll be like. But what does it do? And so <laughs> they'll be like, oh, yeah, you don't have to worry about that bug because he he doesn't hurt you unless you have anything. And I'm like, I got nothing. So I, I could vibe with this guy. And then there's other ones where it's like, if you don't look at it, it, it will come after you. And there's other ones that are like, if you look at it for too long, it will come after you. So it's like, this
1: game just sounds like fuck around and find out the game.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. It, that's pretty much it. It, it is great.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. Oh, what about you? How how about your oh, uh, your week? How's everything going on your end?
1: Um,
0: I watched another movie
1: that had to do with the uh, the trauma of Japan in the wake of World War II and people dying and and lots of destruction and and fires of a hospital, which was a um a fantastic movie called uh fantastic isn't fantasy related, uh called The Boy and the Heron by Hayao Miyazaki. So I saw that, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But aside from that, um, I don't think I really did anything. Yeah, I just did a lot of sleeping, which was fantastic. So yeah, um, yeah, I don't, I didn't play anything. I just played Pikmin, and watched that movie. So, oh, I, one thing I did do, I did it right before we hopped on was, um. What's the worst movie you've ever seen, Kevin? Because I had to watch the worst movie that I have ever seen again, because I'm talking about it on the Mars on Life podcast with my friend Ryan. And I just it's my fault because I suggested this movie is the worst movie I've ever seen. So that's why I watched it. But what's the worst movie you've ever seen?
0: Hmm. was a tough one. Uh. I don't know. Like, I can't even say the room because, like, the room has its own like weird quirk to it. You know, it's not like it's it's terrible for the production side, but it's not like it's not like unbearable. You know, like mm. you you know you're going into it knowing that it's like a bad movie to start. So, I don't know. I actually so... don't know what that like. What what the worst movie? Mm-hmm. At least that, like, I could recall is, you know? Okay, so mine is Lucy, which, have you seen it? Oh, is that the, okay, is Lucy the one with, no, that's Salt. Is Salt, wait, which one's Lucy? Lucy is the 2014 film featuring Scarlett
1: Johansson that kind of is a, it feels like a ripoff, a very heavy-handed, very low-quality like very shitty story ripoff of, of Limitless. It's that same Is that the one where they're of, like
0: 10% of your brain? Yeah. 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 And okay. she just
1: like she has a bag of drugs like shoved into her gut. And then it starts leaking. And for some reason, like she starts floating off the floor. And then she eventually turns into a USB drive. Which is the stupidest <laughs> ending for a movie I've ever seen. So that's what I did today. And I hated every second of it. But again, I suggested this film. So I have only myself to blame. <laughs> um anyway, so uh going into it, um, have you seen The Boy and the Heron?
0: Or are you planning on seeing it, Kevin? I kind of want to see it. I just I, I need to find time to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm not.
1: I'll, I won't spoil anything then, in case you do go see it. Um, but this is allegedly gonna be Miyazaki's last movie. Said I said that know. last time. He he said that since I think what 1997 with uh, was it was it Mononoke was his last one in 97,
0: or something like know. that. He, but, he like, always says like it's gonna be my last one, and then he makes like Ponyo, and then he's like, yeah, "This he is this is my last again. one." And, like,
1: Like, The Wind Rises was supposed to be his last one, and then he came out with this. It's like, okay, this is going to be my last one. The man cannot stay away, and I, for one, don't mind that and, like, keep making movies because I feel like he is probably one of the only filmmakers out there right now that's still dedicated to the craft of hand-drawing everything. And I still feel like he's, like, one of the very few auteurs actually left, especially in the animation space. So... Any any content out of Studio Ghibli and any content out of Hayao Miyazaki, I think, is good content. I will say it's at le at the very least, it's something fun to look at and something beautiful to look at. And he, um, I do appreciate how and a lot of people point this out about how his movies will kind of glorify the mundane in a way, and it, it makes it like it makes living everyday life and like doing chores or or. Stuff like that just seem kind of magical, which is very hard to do. And I don't know of any other filmmaker that can make something like that like possible in a film. Also, like watching all the food scenes in any Miyazaki movie is just I want to eat everything in a Miyazaki mm-hmm. movie. Um that being said, I don't want to like dissuade you from watching this movie, Kevin, because I think everyone should go see it. Um, because this might vary there is a chance there is a very like possible non-zero chance that this is going to be his last film. Cause the man is like 82. So mm-hmm. we don't know. Um, but I just, I don't feel like the story itself lived up to what I was expecting. Considering he's given us amazing, like very fleshed out narratives, like, Princess Mononoke, Castle in the Sky, Spirited Away, Kiki's Delivery Service, Ponyo, all of these things that are like very well-fleshed-out worlds. This just kind of felt like a fever dream, quite honestly. And I think the most interesting part was Robert Pattinson playing the Heron because he sounds nothing like Robert Pattinson at all. So when I went to go see it the first time, um, I accidentally... Went to a screening that was like the the uh the subbed version and not the dubbed version, and like I don't have an issue with sub or dub. It's just that like I didn't actually see it then because I wanted to see what Robert Pattinson's voice was like. Because like it, even in the trailers, you can tell it's like oh that's that's not what I expected Robert Pattinson to sound like. He's it's very like raspy and like an old man, and it's really interesting to. Like, why would you hire Robert Pattinson and have him not sound like Robert Pattinson? Every other actor sounds like themselves. Like, you can tell when Mark Hamill's in there. You can tell when Florence Pugh is in there. You can tell when it's Dave Bautista. Um, you can tell when it's Christian Bale. But when it's it is Robert Pattinson, it's like, who, who is this man? And what did you do with Robert Pattinson? Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, aside from that, this movie is probably. His big, I think it, it definitely is his his biggest number one. Um, I'm, I'm rambling in. It's his number, it's his uh biggest opening at the box office to date. It's currently number one. Um, there, not that there was a lot really that came out this week, but it made, um, uh, he currently debuted with 12.8 million, which is his first time being number one at the box office right now. Um, which is a, a lot, saying a lot considering like Spirited Away won an Oscar, or at least was nominated for an Oscar. It won the Oscar. Oh, it did win the Oscar. It okay. did. Okay, so it won an Oscar. Um, And considering just how many people are are devotees of his films, I'm surprised that like 12.8 is is the high point for him. But then again, like unless you are within like the culture that appreciates anime and animated films and like Japanese content, I, I guess maybe like places like maybe Middle America or like Florida just wouldn't care and, and wouldn't go see it. I don't know. But go see it if you can. It's a it's a fever dream. The story doesn't really make sense, and it takes a little bit of time to actually like get to this to to the story and what's happening. A lot of it is is spent just setting up the character, like the main character, Mahito and just his life and where he's coming from. I think it's take t- words. I think it spends a little bit too long doing that. Um, I wish it, the, the pace of it was a bit faster and there's a lot you could probably have cut. Um, But it's, it's not a, I wouldn't say it's a bad film. It's just, I think not as strong as his other work. But it made mm-hmm. money. It made twelve point yeah. eight million so far, and that was just it was opening weekend. So, okay, moving on. Um, more movie things. Uh, Kevin, how many movies have you seen this year?
0: Oh, I I don't think I've seen that many. Okay. Uh, I I know I uh, I think the only one maybe might have been Spider Verse. Hmm okay unless i i may have seen other ones but like i i genuinely don't remember oh wait I, i only watch like anime films when they come out to the the theaters like if it is so uh the the new slam dunk movie i saw that was fun actually got me like into reading more slam dunk which was a lot of fun but yeah i don't know i don't really go see movies that much anymore i don't know why well, I mean, if there's nothing that interests you, then there's no reason to go to the theater. I mean,
1: True. as much as I want to support movie theaters, it's like if if I don't have to spend the gas to go there and like be tempted to spending like $20 on concessions. And then like, I mean, I don't pay for movie tickets anymore because I have the the Regal app. But mm-hmm. back when I was paying money for tickets, that's like $20 a pop plus the $20 in in concessions if I do, plus the gas to get there. So it's an investment to go to the movie theater sometimes. Um, But back to IGN lists, or not a list, this is technically a poll, but they are putting out a poll for the the best movie of 2023. And their nominees are, and I've seen most of these, I haven't seen... uh, Four Things just came out. I didn't see that. I haven't seen Killers of the Flower Moon because I didn't get a chance to. And also it's like three hours long or three and a half or something. And I don't want to sit in the theater for that long for what I've, it all counts as a very gorgeous film, but a, a misery fest of like American history is terrible. And we, we should all be ashamed of what we did to the Native American people. But anyway, um, the nominees so far are Asteroid City, Barbie, John Wick, Chapter 4, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Across the Spider-Verse, Talk to Me, Poor Things, Joyride, The Boy and the Heron, and Other, which is etc. Um, What do you think, Kevin, and I can run through the list again, but what do you think currently has the highest vote? And that list is uh... City, Barbie, John Wick, Killers of the Flower Moon, Oppenheimer, Across the Spider Verse, Talk to Me, Poor Things, Joyride, The Boy and the Heron, and other.
0: What do I think is the best movie from those?
1: Okay, what do you think is maybe is the best movie, and what do you think has the highest vote?
0: Okay, mm, I think highest vote goes to, I think Barbie takes highest vote just because it obviously it had the Barbenheimer thing, mm-hmm. and I think more people were. Inclined to see the Barbie side of it rather than the Oppenheimer side of it, mm-hmm. but across the Spider Verse was a big, like cultural thing because, like, we've been waiting for that movie for like a while now, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And so I also Ever think that since that like could... the trailer for the first one came
1: out, people were like, okay, there's gonna be a sequel to this. There has to be.
0: Yeah, and hmm, I I think overall, I think people will vote. Ugh. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put Spider-Verse just because I think it is a lot, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's Barbie or or Oppenheimer in that spot, but I think the spot goes to Spider-Verse for this number. Okay. Okay. So We're just out of sheer popularity.
1: Sheer popularity. Okay. Currently, I mean this is pretty much just a popularity contest anyway. Mm-hmm. Um currently Spider-Verse sits at 21.1% which is okay. not the highest. Hmm. It's Oppenheimer. Oh, okay. At 38%. The lowest in this poll is Joyride at 0.1%, which I didn't actually, that's another one. I didn't go see. I just did not have the time. And by the time I did have the time, it's time in the theater was up. <laughs> um, All right. I voted for Barbie, but that was only 6.4%. Um, John Wick somehow got more votes than that. I also think that, like, just looking at the comments, I think a lot of the the people who voted and didn't vote for Barbie, maybe, are just angry man children. Like, there's someone who's saying that Sound of Freedom is one of the top two movies of the year. And you know if they're saying that, they're just a miserable cuck who doesn't understand that, like, the people who made Sound of Freedom were also convicted of, or, like, not even convicted, or, like, involved in child trafficking. So... I don't really care what you say there. Um, for me, I'll actually the I think the best movie of the year was The Holdovers. I enjoyed that movie a ton, mm. just because it was so real, and like it was both comedic and like heartbreaking at the same time. Also, like, where was Godzilla minus one on this list? It's, it's too so new.
0: Good. I still need to see it, but it's so- I was invited to go see it, but I had I had to go and do a trivia tonight. Ah, uh, what company do you do trivia for? Because there's a company that does it down here, too, that I like.
1: I work for
0: Res Events. OK, it's not the
1: same company. The one that does yeah. it out here is King Trivia. OK. Anyway, let's move on. Um, More movie things. The Golden Globe nominations came out. Um, This is the... Um, the award ceremony that is conducted by the Hollywood foreign press association, or it used to be until Penske media took it over and Penske media owns all of, like the big media corporations in like entertainment, like vanity, not vanity fair um, variety. And, and uh, I should, I'm ashamed to do that. I worked for variety. I should know this variety and uh Hollywood reporter um, billboard. So like, that's the company that runs it. Um, I am in. I I know the um, the, one of the vice presidents of the company, and he tried to get me to apply for a job, which I did, which I never heard back from again. But anyway, the Golden Globe Awards are going to be in twenty four days. This had to be postponed already because of the strike in Hollywood, and now they have moved it to January. So, currently, some of the bigger nominations are for Best Director is Bradley Cooper for Maestro. Um, Celine Song for Past Lives, Christopher Nolan for Oppenheimer, Greta Gerwig for Barbie, Martin Scorsese for Killers of the Flower Moon, and Yorgos Lathnamos for Poor Things. Best motion picture for animated is oh god, I hate they're doing the it's Boy and the Heron, comma, the but then later down in the list you have the Super Mario Brothers movie, so I don't understand that listing.
0: Yeah, wait, hold up, (laughs) the uh, formatting's weird.
1: Boy and the Heron, comma, the elemental <laughs> spider-man across the spider-verse the super mario's movie suzume and
0: wish did didn't you see suzume kevin i did see suzume i do think i I don't know if it's it's good and like it's fine for a nomination i just don't see it taking an award over spider-verse mm-hmm. i think spider-verse should win this
1: i haven't seen elemental i i haven't either people have said it's good I just can't find the time to sit down and watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just another thing about Pixar, I think we mentioned it before, is that compared to other studios, like Pixar isn't innovating with their visual style. They did a mm-hmm. little bit with um Turning Red. There was yeah. a lot that they did unique there. But compared to like the the attention to detail and, and what they did with across the Spider-Verse, or like even like I hate Illumination, but kind of how faithfully they recreated what mario looks like in this movie like pixar has nothing on them
0: Mm -hmm.
1: nothing best motion picture for a drama it comes to anatomy of a fall killers of the flower moon past lives zone of interest maestro and oppenheimer best uh motion picture for musical or comedy goes to air american fiction barbie holdovers comma the may december and poor things um, let's see. Original song. This was an interesting one because of the two song, the two songs that I think are are currently the pop culture favorites to win. Uh, best song is "Addicted to Romance" by Bruce Springsteen. Um, "Dance the Night" by Mark Ronson, Dua Lipa, um, Andrew Wyatt, and Caroline Allen. "I'm Just Ken" by Mark Ronson and Andrew Wyatt. "Peaches" by Jack Black. Um, Aaron Horvath, Michael Jelinek, Eric Osmond, and John Spiker Road to Freedom by Lenny Kravitz, and What Was I Made for by Billie Eilish and Phineas. Um, best performances from Brie Larson, Ali Wong, Elizabeth Olsen, Juno Temple, Rachel Weiss, and Riley Keough. I forgot this also goes into te- oh, the, the Golden Globe Awards, also do television too. So, mm-hmm. mixed in with all this is TV and movies, unlike how the Oscars and the Emmys are broken up. Um, Where's best actor? Because we just did best female. Oh, this is broken out into like limited male, limited female. I don't want to read all these. This is a lot. Anyway, look at the list. If you want to see if your favorite people were nominated, Um, it's the beginning of award season. So I, and I think like the Golden Globes out of all the awards, I'm sorry to say this, Tim, but I think the Golden Globes are the least influential, even though they're first, like I, people don't typically care as much about the Golden Globes. I think as they do about the Emmys or the Oscars, plus there's been a lot of controversy over the past few years about the previous um, runners of the Golden Globe Awards, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Um, there were, there there was controversy over them not having as many people of color or like no people of color be part of the um the voting body on that, which I mean there's there's there there's a little bit of leeway where they can kind of defend themselves in that it's the foreign press association and, and other countries don't have as much inherent, I guess, diversity as as melting pot countries like America, but still you should at least have striven to have a little bit more diversity in your voting body. Um yeah. Golden Globe Awards. Um January, we'll just tell you who wins when we get there, I suppose. Um the game awards, Kevin, is another thing that happened, except we have the winners actually this time. Um, Yay. Game of the Year did go
0: to Baldur's Gate. Um I I yeah, I in, all I did was I saw the meme. Like, uh, like I I watched some of it because like I caught some of it while I was at, at at the escape room, not paying attention to a room smile. Uh, but oops. Well, but, but uh, I was like, oh, game awards are tonight, so like I gotta I'll keep tabs every once in a while, I'll glance over. But, like, I mean, we could go over some of the winners. Yeah. But the the funniest thing that that I got out of it was whatever you think is gonna win. And if Baldur's Gate 3 is in the list, it's going to go to Baldur's Gate. Uh, and Except then, for
1: Best Narrative. That went to Alan Wake.
0: Yeah. And it's like, every once in a while, you'll roll the dice, you'll just get Alan Wake. So, <laughs> like... <laughs> um, but, yeah. I did
1: see the um, flute guy came back this year. What was he playing? Yes, he did.
0: He's Look, playing an sure? oboe, I think, this year.
1: Okay. Um, Best Performance did not, uh, like it went to um again to baldurs gate but i think it was interesting because christopher judge came up I, was he announcing that award or what did he win for
0: for baldurs gate
1: no christopher judge for for god of war did god of war win anything ooh uh,
0: i don't remember
1: okay the thing is like he something that made news for this year's game awards was christopher judge came up and he was making a speech i'm guessing since he did not win best performance. He was probably presenting an award, but he made a dig at um, Call of Duty this year. He said my speech last year or last time I was here um, was longer than the entire Call of Duty campaign for this year. Um, and and <laughs> instead of like taking it gracefully or just being in on the joke a lot of the call of duty devs got really salty and like went online to say, Oh, that's such a low blow. I was like, Oh, I can't believe you're making fun of another uh, person from the industry. And then the entire internet just kind of came down on them and said, you guys are call of duty. You don't really deserve to be called video game anymore. Like you guys are call of duty. Like (laughs) calm down. You're not that serious. You're not going to win anything anyway. Like no one really takes call of duty seriously. So
0: um Call of Duty has literally just been releasing patches for the past like eight years. Like, it's you're not, not putting game. out a new game, yeah. You're not putting out a new game, you're just putting out patch notes. Like, like that, in recent that's years, like people
1: have I've, I've seen I haven't played Call of Duty in forever, but what I've seen is like people are just getting kind of fed up with how the quality of the game is decreasing each time. So, oh, yeah, I don't know, I don't feel like hitting yourself against God of War, Kratos, who everybody loves and everyone agreed that the, the two games that have come out are masterpieces. I don't think as Call of Duty, you should be trying to go head to head with that. Come on.
0: I, I feel like Call of Duty shouldn't talk until they get at least a nomination. Like That's
1: never going to happen.
0: Yeah. I mean, you put out a quality game before you like open your mouth. That's, that's honestly the way how... Oh it is. It's just you're you're getting beat by literally everyone else in the industry. Like, do better.
1: I think the only thing that they can beat right now is probably Overwatch, just because people are salty.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like the only thing that Call of Duty can do possibly is like try to win best mobile game next year. Like
1: that's, that's like, a big that's a big if.
0: Yeah, like it, it, as long as Hoyo doesn't put out anything next year, you, you should be okay. I'm just gonna say it. Hello Kitty Island Adventure should have won best mobile game of the year. I, I just think that's a non-controversial take. I mean, Honkai Star Rail is good, but it also has a PC platform. Hello Kitty Island Adventure.
1: Okay, so just running through a couple of the categories, I guess. Um, Super Mario Brothers Wonder won for best family game. <laughs> mm. Continuing that joke. Um, Best indie game Um, if this would load, best indie game was Sea of Stars. Um, best debut indie game was Cocoon, which I haven't seen anything on either of those games or like heard anything about them, but I guess they're good if they won. Best Mm -hmm. ongoing is Cyberpunk 2077, which is so interesting to me considering like how much hate this game got when it first came out. But I mean, like, I guess this is what happened with um. Witcher 3 also like when it came out it was a mess but then they kept patching it to the point where now it like when I by the time I played it it was really good I haven't played Cyberpunk since it came out and like honestly there were a few frustrating bugs but nothing super terrible I enjoyed Cyberpunk um I haven't played the DLC but I kind of want to go back and buy it and play it um Best community support does not go to Overwatch. It goes to Baldur's Gate 3 again, like like Kevin mentioned, if, if Baldur's Gate is uh in the nominations, it's probably gonna get it. Best True. esports game went to Valorant, I think, yep. this year. Yep,
0: absolutely went to Valorant.
1: I could kind of see that one coming. Okay, um, the only
0: one that I kind of got mad at was uh Best Mobile Game. I understand. That yes, Honkai Star Rail is technically the best out of all of these options, but it should have went to Hello Kitty Island Adventure. Oh, I, my god, Island Adventure, sign me up! Because like Honkai Star Rail also has a PC version, like they have the graphics capacity. Mm-hmm. Hello Kitty Island Adventure is its own thing. It's a vibe. Like l- let them cook. Like <laughs> they got the they got the. <laughs> I got the nomination. Let them win. I mean, if
1: they at least they can say that. Like Call of Duty cannot.
0: Yeah, imagine imagine this game getting nominated and and you're not even in the conversation.
1: Damn, Hello Kitty can <laughs> dunk on Call of Duty.
0: Yeah. Street
1: Fighter won for um, best fighting game. Mm-hmm. For, um, be, uh, most anticipated game went to um, Final Fantasy. Seven. 7 Rebirth
0: over Hades I think 2 I would have went Hades 2
1: it beat Hades, it beat Like a Dragon it beat Star Wars and it beat Tekken
0: yeah that's, that's surprising to me I would have
1: said Hades considering how m- massive that game was and I think it won Game of the Year right? back mm-hmm. in it's day so yeah. Hades 2 okay Okay. you beat us out uh Final Fantasy
0: any other ones that like stood out to you, Kevin? Uh I mean I, I, I got to see ones. uh what is it, Iron Mouse's response to winning content creator of the year. Uh she thought Quackity was gonna win it, but she did. And like honestly, Iron Mouse does a lot of good stuff for the community, so congrats to her.
1: Well, congrats to all the winners, and we will see what wins next year. Okay Kevin speaking of game things um E3 have you heard
0: No uh, it it's not not doing so good
1: <laughs> There's no more there's no more ease for the E3 it's it's gone it's dead unfortunately I hope that they would have had it like at least one more go through like one more round of E3 but no unfortunately it's not happening anymore um I think it was just today yeah, today we got the uh, the announcement from the um, Entertainment Software Association. Uh, they put out a statement that said, after more than two decades of E3, each one bigger than the last, the, com- the time has come to say goodbye. Thanks for the memories. Good game, well played. Um, yeah, this is sad to see because I I, I mean, I never went to any E3s, um, but I kind of, I always look forward to that time of year just because of like, all the announcements and everything that came out of E3, like it was something to look forward to. Um It was just a big day for like the gamer community. And I guess just it became too expensive. And it just, I guess for a lot of companies, it didn't make sense having to spend that much money to share the stage with their competitors when they could just have events that were more like we're a lot cheaper to produce and they could spotlight whatever they wanted to and and not have to like just pick and choose what they wanted to showcase. They could showcase everything they wanted to. How do you feel about like this, Kevin? Like, do you think that it's some, do you think that like we were, I mean, just considering now that we have Nintendo Directs or the PlayStation like State of Play or like Microsoft's like own announcements and things like that, do you think like we needed an E3? Um, Do you think that we could have still benefited from having it? Or is it just kind of it? Would it would it really have not done anything except just be another expensive event to produce, or even just
0: like Uh, a community day? Like, I I like the concept of E three, and I don't know if there's like a. I I don't know if there's a good replacement for it. Like I I understand like, E three was mainly used for like announcements of things, and like we we all were looking forward to stuff, but. In, like, today's landscape, obviously, we a lot of them are just choosing to do directs or showcases, right? Yeah. But the thing that I would have liked, I don't know if there is a place that does this yet, but if they were to do something where it's pretty much just like a, it's not like packs or anything like that, but a convention where you could, like, playtest some of these games, like... Mm-hmm. Like even if you have to sign like an NDA to enter, I think it would be beneficial to have like some people like test out your game in like a big setting. If you want to test out like, you know, either AAA or like whatever big announcement games there are like that, that is a better experience in itself rather than having to like wait for announcements or anything. And I feel like we're going to, we're going to miss out on that ability. Like, they'll just do, like, small beta tests and alpha tests, but I would much rather have, like, I think a convention where people can test out some of these games or try some of these games is more, like, beneficial for that sake.
1: Yeah, I guess being able to, like, have a a hands-on access to something as Mm -hmm. opposed to, like like, people are actually, like, getting their hands on the actual product, as opposed to just watching cutscenes, which was like a lot of what came out of, of ether it was just trailers and cutscenes. scenes. Sometimes uh, if you were, if you were just like waiting for all the trailers, if you were there, like, obviously you got to experience everything, which is what drew people to actually going there as opposed to just waiting online for things. Mm-hmm. But. I don't know it. it E3 left behind a legacy and they they started in 1995 so they had a very good run but it's just like I think the internet and also COVID really killed it. It would have been nice Mm -hmm. if they had gotten at least one because they they were still trying to come back. They were still trying to to make something. So um, I guess if they had had it would have been nice to see if they had one last hurrah to see if there was anything like worth doing in this new age of like companies having their own directs but i just i guess the money didn't make sense
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know what else doesn't make sense kevin Mm. trying to sue rockstar over your your parody likeness being uh being put into a game so yeah last week (laughs) we were talking about the uh all the references that are included in in the GTA 6 trailer. Mm-hmm. So the guy who they based like if, if you watch the trailer, there's this guy with like tattoos all over his face. He's um he's the Florida Joker. Um he, he came out with like this video. Um I I actually don't even know what he is he what he's from or what he did. It looks like he got arrested or something and tattoos all over his face anyway he he came over the video pausing it and saying like whoa that's me that's my likeness rockstar you use my likeness without my permission like you you owe me like we gotta talk i'm gonna sue you or at least like give me a million dollar or two dollars a million dollars or two or something like that um but the problem the thing is is like parody is protected by law so you're allowed to parody things and like this isn't the first time that people have tried to sue Rockstar before. Like Lindsay Lohan tried to sue Rockstar over GTA five for like using her likeness on like the promos and the box art or whatever. And she lost that, that lawsuit there. So like, if you, if you, where do you think you can get away with like suing Rockstar? If Lindsay Lohan herself, who is like a big name celebrity who has resources, and is much more well-known can, like, not even get a lawsuit there. And it's like with, with South Park, too. South Park does this thing all the time. They, like, very clearly use the likenesses of um, celebrities or people, or, like, but they tweak it to be, like, parody so they're safe. So.
0: <laughs>
1: like, why would you even think that you have a chance against Rockstar here?
0: Yeah, don't don't even try. Just just be glad that you're in the game
1: <laughs> like Kevin if if for some reason like you did something that was noteworthy not not even saying like good or positive good or, I mean, positive or negative here just like something noteworthy and Rockstar decided to like hey let's put them in a trailer for our game like what would your reaction be like mine would definitely not be to try to sue the company that clearly has run this through legal and knows that they're okay to do it
0: oh yeah for sure like I would I would just be I think it'd be fun just to be like this is this is what I this is what I do like I <laughs> I I know what's going on here so like, like now you're
1: now you can like use that to your advantage I guess now like <laughs> hey I'm, I'm important enough to be parodied by rockstar mm-hmm. oh boy frivolous lawsuits like this guy's this isn't gonna go anywhere this guy's an idiot um you know what else i think is not gonna go anywhere kevin mm. so you know what the nerd emoji looks like right yeah it's it's the uh the glasses with the buck teeth and the the weird stupid smile mm-hmm so there's a child who's 10 years old in england his name is teddy and he's starting a campaign to get the emoji removed or changed um he he specifically wants to get rid of the teeth because he he says it's offensive um to to people who are wearing glasses he said we want to change this apple is making it absolutely horrible for people wearing glasses he if you look at the kid he really looks like the nerd emoji. He does. And I'm 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 a bit like I I have two minds of this. On one hand it's like I can see how some like the the image of the nerd has been around for forever and it's it's like it can be harmful a little bit like as a kid who had glasses and braces at the same time for a couple of years like yeah it wasn't the uh wasn't the best depiction or or image to have but also like it's it's kind of a joke and i think that by i think that by protesting this he's making it worse you know yeah i i i i I don't know how to like eloquently put this And I don't, and this feels bad to say, but this is, I feel like you see the, you see kids like this and you're like, Oh, you need to be bullied. My child,
0: you, you (laughs) kind of deserve it for this. You know, sometimes if Apple is willing to include your likeness, I think you should just (laughs) accept it. Uh, No, I, I, I would, I use this nerd emoji every once in a while as well. I just think that like, it's just, it's good when you're trying to make a point, but. Like, it's yeah, just... no, I I don't think you need to protest it. I don't think that they're going to change it.
1: No, and I, I don't think they should. It's like, it's a common, like, just, yes, it's a stereotype, but it's not like too It's bad not harmful. Negative sc- it's, it's, it's not. not like... It's really not. Yeah. Like his, his version of the emoji is just the, a... it's really poorly drawn it's like atrociously drawn. I mean, this kid needs art lessons, but it's like, it's just got the glasses and a, and a stupid smile. Um That's not like indicative of anything at all. That doesn't get the point across that it's supposed to be like a nerd or, or a, a smart person. It's just a guy with glasses. It's, it's kind of sad that the, the buck teeth is what gives it the, the idea of a nerd. But I mean, that's kind of, what it does, and like Apple has changed emojis before, like they change, they took away the gun emoji and made it a squirt gun. Um, I think the syringe emoji, they they took out the blood in the syringe, so it's just like a syringe. And I think they, that was done during the uh, when they were really trying to get people to get vaccinated, so people could use that as a as a, an emoji for the vaccine without being it so quote um graphic as the new york post calls it but he wants to call it the genius emoji his newly redesigned one but like what about that says genius it's just a guy in glasses this is such yeah. a stupid first world problem
0: i don't yeah. know why
1: i don't know why it bugs me but it's just like this this kid like bro like i went through the bullying ring you should too Which is as horrible as it is to say. It's like, this is not a fight that I think you want to pick. And I think by picking it, you're just making it worse for yourself. Now, like forever, forever. if anyone looks you up on the internet, you're going to be that idiot kid who looks like the nerd emoji. Yeah. You're just going to... You're just making it easier for people to pick on you, my dude. Some fights are not worth it. Anyway... That's it for me this week. Kevin, tell us about weedy things and anime and uh the, the the what is it? The dodgeball tournament happened, right?
0: Yes, yes it did. Uh I did not catch enough of it because I was at work. Uh I, I really wanted to sit down and watch all of it, but apparently there were a couple of different teams. I think there were like three teams, but they were all representing like a different platform that they all stream from. Um so there were like the Twitch people, there was YouTube, uh, Facebook streamers, kick streamers. Um, the cool thing though, uh, I think probably the funniest thing is, uh, I think it's, it's John Clint, uh, Tom Clint, uh, Dan, Dan, I'm losing my mind. Um, one of the founders of Twitch, one of the current, like, not CEOs, but like one of the big developmental people who has been like a part of the design team kind of since the beginning, um, decided to play in the dodgeball tournament as well. So having like the Twitch CEO playing alongside some of the Twitch streamers is really cool. Um, Ludwig also participated in a couple of the games as well, just because they, they had a large enough roster to rotate some players through. Um, but yeah, um, overall dodgeball dodgeball event pretty good um have to, have to give them thumbs up for that um yeah on top of tft or on top of dodgeball this weekend we had the tft vegas open um which happened during the weekend as well um lots of esports stuff that i couldn't keep up with but uh tft vegas opening uh if you guys don't know tft is teamfight tactics it's a riot auto chess game um they had their like they had a LAN event that had four or five hundred and twelve players playing for it. Ooh, um that's a lot of players. Yeah, and they whittled it down to eight on the last day, From which 500 is, to 8? 512 to 8. Oh my god. <laughs> and then the last day was was really wild because uh the way how the rules worked is like you had to meet a certain threshold in terms of your placement first. And then you had to win. You had to get mm-hmm. like first place out of eight. Um, so the last day was like really, really crazy. Um, a lot of compositions that a lot of players weren't keeping their eyes out for um ended up showing up in the TFT Vegas Open because you know it is a smaller meta and there are things that can kind of you could get away with. Um, the composition that won was Spellweaver Annie, which is a like you get early Annie with a certain like trait that's doubled Um and then you just build around that so they did pretty well on that Um other things that a lot of people didn't keep in mind were crowd diver Yone which is a it, it's a unit that got a small buff during the during the patch um, right before Vegas and a lot of people were like oh, okay well it it's okay kind of and then it just starts destroying everybody uh during the actual event so people have to take note of it and uh, that is a thing. And then the other one is uh, Senna um, for, for True Damage. So True Damage and uh, Caitlin has also been helpful for that. So yeah, a, a lot of random compositions that we as players wouldn't normally consider that high tier. But after we see the Vegas Open, after we see people get multiple like wins with it, you have to give them props. and. Uh, being creative with the with the play style and finding ways to win the games, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, last but not least, we just have our manga releases. Uh, a couple of things that we want to keep in mind. Um, first things first. Uh, manga releases for this week we have Shy Five, Akane Banashi Three, and Demons of the Shadow Realm Three that comes out today. Um, on top of that, uh, there, there's a couple other ones that I am keeping my on. I have like Marshall 14 as well and Die Dark 6, um, but those are just kind of the big ones that we're keeping our tabs on. Um, the last one for the manga releases are uh, for next week. We have Homunculus Omnibus 3, which is uh, volumes 5 and 6. We have Rent-A-Girlfriend 22 and Alice in Borderlands 8. Um, that is going to be the second-to-last volume of Alice in Borderland because Alice in Borderland originally had an 18-volume run in Japan, um, and each one of these volumes that we get is a 2-in-1 here in the States. So um, Alice 8 is the furthest it's going to go, um, and then we'll probably get Alice 9 sometime in the middle of next year. So uh, looking forward to getting that. Um other things that if you guys are keeping tabs on it uh slime twenty three is coming out and kobayashi thirteen is also coming out. so um just a couple of other books that you're if you're looking to up your uh how can I say it if you're looking to add more to your shelf uh this holiday season that those might be a couple of them that you want to keep in mind yep, and that is that is it for me this week pretty much just uh enjoying whatever manga and anime i happen to be watching uh still still keeping tabs on spy family and free ren um we'll see if anything else comes out this week i know a lot of people are trying to keep tabs and keep up with uh jjk um that is still a lot that we have to go over and then same thing with uh zom 100 when it does eventually come out uh closer to the end of the year Uh, i'll give you tabs and uh where to where it ends in terms of the manga, uh, for that one.
1: This is a very broad question, Kevin. What do you think makes it
0: for a good manga collection? What makes a good manga collection is a collection of books that you are willing to read more than once. Uh <laughs> that is that is the best way of putting it. Um, it could literally be anything. Like if you have like honestly, like one series that you like, like 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 and you wanna really build around it you can do that and I would consider that like a simple like even a very nice collection that you could just keep together uh for me my my collection is pretty much just like trying to balance out like trying to cover a good variety of genres but also like have enough variation where it doesn't you you don't fall into the stereotypical like you're a guy so you read this right (laughs) um which which is like okay, I'm gonna call out majority of the of the uh manga community here. There there are two sides of the manga community. There are the the guys the the depressed edgy guys who have okay. If you have these on your shelf, you're you're a part of this group. You have AOT, you have Berserk, you have Vinland Saga, you have Vagabond. Those are your four that you want to collect. It's just like I I am a lone wolf. I am battling the craziest things I've ever seen, and it's all a metaphor for depression. Um, then there's the other side, which is like enjoying every single possible rom com possible, which is like you have Comey, you have, uh, what is it? You have Comey, you have Horimiya, Mia, you have, uh, maybe, yeah, What's what's another like really typical one? You have like a bunch of other ones that are like pretty. Pretty like cute. I have Woltakoi on my list, and uh, what is it? My Happy Marriage. So just like a bunch of like really good rom coms, right? Th- those are like the two camps that you're that you have for like the adults, and then the kids have everything that's Shonen Jump. So it's just like mm-hmm. Hero Academy, Naruto, Bleach, One Piece, um, like all of those ones are for for them, and then like. For me personally, I, I want to bounce between the three of those and then just like get what I consider good and add it to the shelf. Um yeah. I, I do the rule where I'll read a little bit or like maybe chapter one to three if I really like the series and then I'll go and buy the physicals from that point forward. Um That's how I usually like gauge a series that I'm like, I am going to read this one yeah. like um, there are some that, like, I have on my shelf that I'm trying to either sell or rotate through. Um, but there are other ones where I'm like, that was a ride. That was worth the ride. I am keeping mm-hmm. this 100%. So, um yeah. I mean, that that's the best way of how to describe it. It's like, if I enjoy a manga to the point where I am looking forward to its release date, like, months or even, like, multiple months in advance not even like weeks in advance multiple months in advance i'm like this is a series that i'm going to keep tabs on and i i'm going to read it the second that it drops in the states um those are the series that you should be collecting first um the thing that i wouldn't recommend and this is this is a small thing for 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 manga peeps do not create a volume 1 graveyard um <laughs> in other words a what now so volume one graveyards are a thing. I, I need to write the script for this, but it is essentially when you buy volume one of a manga because you picked it up off the shelf and you think that it's good. Right. And then Uh you read it and then you're like, I don't want to continue the series. There is like either there's other things that are more towards your selective taste that you like more, or you would much rather prioritize buying other volumes or other series first. Right. So I have fallen into the trap. I have a couple of Volume 1 stuff that I'm like, oh, I, I probably shouldn't have bought it, but, I mean, I as a content creator, this is, like, just ideal create giveaway thing, you know? Um, but, yeah, I would recommend either reading through the entirety of a volume or, like, Volume 1 and then deciding to go on forward if you really want to collect more. um, Or ask me. Honestly, like, I, I've read a stupid amount and I might have insight um, of like things that you should do or do not um, for volume ones
1: you, you mentioned Komi and that's like one of the few manga that I've read recently and like I don't mm-hmm. religiously read it but I was in a Walmart one time and it was in I was walking through the book section and
0: mm-hmm. there was
1: an issue it's like oh I'll just I'll just stand here where no one else is around and read it and I did and one of the things that like I I don't remember what issue it was but there was one panel where it's just like a close up of boobs and the caption was the artist just wanted to draw this and I'm like
0: I'm trying to remember which which what? volume that would be
1: <laughs> I don't know it, but it was just like oh okay so this, this is where Komi is going from here on okay um but, like, is the for you, Kevin, um, and this is probably very like highly uh individual criteria. but mm-hmm. like like how games like there's there's certain aspects of a game that makes it replayable, or whether it's like it's a new game plus or like there's there's a stuff that happens after the end game or mm-hmm. like if, if the story like actually invites you to like play it again and you'll understand the details when you play it a second time through better than like, like, like you understand the story more con- with more context now that you know the ending. Um, mm-hmm. Games have that. Like, mm-hmm. is there a specific criteria that you find in manga when you're reading it that makes it like where you're you're willing to read it more than once? Like, there's certain books uh-huh. that like I'll just go to because they're comfort books that I'll just read them over and over again. But that's mainly because of the nostalgia factor for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Well, what gives volumes or series replay value? Um, I do like things that when you finish the volume or you finish the series, it makes you think about what everything else was for, you know? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, AOT is probably the most recent example of this, where, like, you read through everything, and you find out that everything was planned from day one, like every, like all the twists and turns that the characters were going to go through. There is a reason why it was done uh, at this certain point. Right? Um, right. And that's what gives that series like a really good replay value or like a good reread value. Um, for me personally, it's just like, besides it being like comfort picks, um, sometimes for me, it is like story based. Like, um, I know that a lot of people will ask me for a manga rec that, or like storytelling elements that I genuinely like, um, or differences in style that I find very enjoyable. So, um, that's what gives me like a couple of reread value, like to go back and Study why certain characters are doing things, or, um, like I guess not necessarily like plot stuff, but more of like interesting things that other manga cut don't do. Um, <laughs> the the best thing that I could explain is like in Witch Hat Atelier by Kamo Mishirahama and I think it's in volume nine. Um, there are ways to like do scenes that seem hectic right um Mm -hmm. and in this one volume they go to like a festival and it's like this big celebration for um all of these witches and wizards that come together and essentially show off what they can do like what what inventions they can make to better humanity right right um but instead of it being like Oh, the character went here, then went here, then went here, uh, and then eventually went back to the like back to their tent, right? That could have been done in a series of different panels where it just shows you like, this is this is something cool, this is something cool that they did, this is something that they ate, so on and so forth, right? Um, the way how Kamome, like, I guess the panel did, yeah, that's the best way of saying it. How they plotted out the page was a board game. You play a 6D board game where you start on like your your main square and then you roll a die and you play essentially like a shoots and ladders game to see how characters like if they ran into something during the festival how would it affect their day and like their entire goal is to just get back before time runs out. Um and they say like okay you have like X amount of turns to get back to your get back to the get back to the main tent. So while they while you as the reader get to essentially play a board game and figure out if you can make it back in time. You're also learning about what are all the possible things that the characters could have done during that time. Um, like for example like there's ones where it's like eat really good food, skip your next turn. Right, so like you're like okay, they had like really nice food, and they can't leave it because they're taking their time enjoying that food, right? Um, and and so on and so forth. So like that's something that's unique that that I like. Plus, art is pretty from Kamome, um, but yeah, there's just like a bunch of like really interesting like not only character designs but like storytelling elements that I genuinely like, and. I keep going back to either reread it or to be like, my friends will be like, what what's a what's a nice series I should be reading right now? And I'll be like, all right, give me a minute. Let me let me look at the shelf.
1: What's your number one most reread
0: manga? I guess to close this out and why? All right. Time to look at the shelf. Uh <laughs> most reread manga. Um which one have I gone back to the most? Okay, I think there's a good toss up between two of them. Uh, I go, I always go back to descending stories, rakugo shinju, because, like, one, it's a great anime, but the manga also goes into detail a little bit more about rakugo, which is a traditional, like, Japanese storytelling art. Mm-hmm. Um. If you guys don't know it's like one person like it's it's like a one person theater but you tell everything via one the the actor does not get up they're they're sitting down they're like kneeling the whole time but they have to change the inflection of their voice and direction of their speech to portray one or more characters right um so it does get a little hectic but you start to learn certain things that they do. Um plus the stories are like traditional Japanese stories so it's really cool to like listen in on like some of the lessons that they were teaching via oral tradition. Um and that's one part of the reason why I like that series. The other one that I tend to go back to and this is totally for like weirder reasons is I every once in a while will go back and read um, a couple volumes of Delicious and Dungeon, um, which is Dungeon Meshi is getting an anime adaptation um, next year. So I think it's quarter one of next year. So I'm um, kind of excited to see it, but I go back because like I'm like, what food? Like it's d and with, with food elements in it. So sometimes you just go to it and you're like, man, I wonder what Scorpion would taste like if you cooked it like this or like if I had a basilisk omelet, how would that taste, right? Um, so, like, sometimes I'll just go back to it and be like, I'm going to make something close to this because I'm hungry. And and I'll just go down that rabbit hole for, like, a minute. Um, I know that the author hasn't put out necessarily a one-to-one, but you can tell what kind of food it is by the way how it presents itself in the manga.
1: That's one of the the one that and um what's the the PTSD radio? Those are the thing the the two that you've mentioned that I really want to eventually check out. Delicious in dungeon and dungeon and PTSD radio. Uh-huh. And then Comey because Comey's always good. But
0: yeah. <laughs> I feel like here, here's the thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna let you in on Komi. On Komi right now, I think is at twenty-eight volumes. Something like that. 28, 29. Um I think that I don't even know if the mangaka plans on stopping anytime soon, but Mm. I would assume that sometime in the near future, there should be a box set. Um, and I, I think that a Komi box set, even if it's like volumes, like one through like, like 20 would be really good just because like people want to collect it and adding more to it would just, you know, make it better. Um, It would also be cute if you did a notebook that has a list of Comey's friends, so far, like in that as well. Like that's like another like little thing. I, I feel like, just just hire me, manga companies. I will create your box set. Like that's the thing. I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of good series out there that one deserve a box set, and then, two. Mm -hmm like I'm planning on doing a TikTok on this topic pretty soon but um I think this is this may be a hot take but I think that manga companies should be able to sell empty box sets for collectors cuz here's the thing one like us as collectors have been collecting and reading the volumes since release right um we're we're out here just reading every single volume when it drops but when you release a box set you essentially tell like everybody who's been buying your books for like the past like year, you're not even like two or three years now just like a big middle finger and being like yeah remember you spent all that money well here's everything and more but cheaper and i'm like uh, like <laughs> can we just do the opposite we're like okay you can charge us like X amount for a box set. That way we could at least just put our books in the box. So when we want to display it, we don't have to like pay another hundred and X dollars and then sell the series again, you know?
1: Yeah. And I feel like just like having a set in a box, just, as a collector, having a set of things and a nice box to display things just makes you want to buy it even more because it's like the special edition effect where even if you already have it, it's nice to have a commemorative version, you know? Mm-hmm. Anyway, thank you all for tuning with us, tuning in with us this week. Um, buy manga, buy anime, watch artistic movies and things like that so that artists can survive anyway yeah thanks for tuning in um we will catch you next week and then the week after we'll probably take a break because it's the holiday season but yeah we'll see you soon adios
0: next week we bring you the latest news and stories from around the internet thanks for listening to this week's
1: episode if you like what you hear please subscribe to us and rate us five stars on all your favorite podcast platforms. You can also follow us on all social media at twigpod, that's T-W-I-G-P-O-D, and feel free to send us any questions, comments, or any suggestions of topics you'd like us to cover. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week in Geek.